0: We're going to be looking at three or four verses. Psalm 139, verse 13 is where I want to begin. I want to get you, give you a minute to get there. We're going to be preaching on the blessing of life. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 17. <clears throat> Verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. Which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, my, how great is the sum of them. With that we'll pray and we'll get into the, the, the sermon for this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, you know I'm nervous, you know, uh, my nerves and my thoughts are, are all over the place. I pray you would just give me wisdom, power, uh, the, the ability to get through this message for your glory. And we just thank you for life. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for the life you've given me. I've made a mess of it in many instances, but Lord, thank you for the grace of God that brings salvation to men. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There was a speaker on one occasion. He was called to give a a lecture and he had an auditorium filled of about 200 people that, that came out to hear him preach. And the guy reached into his wallet and he pulled out a $100 bill and he uh, said, held it up in the air. He says, you see this $100 bill? It was crisp, you know, brand new out of the ATM machine and held it up in the air. He said, who wants this $100 bill? Of course, almost about every hand shot up into the air. <laughs> like, I, I want it. You know, I got bills. I, I could use that $100 bills. And uh, So he says, well, hold, hold on a minute. Hold on. I got to do something first. He took that $100 bill, and he began to crumple it up. I mean, he just made it really small, and he threw it on the floor, and he began to stomp on it and grind it into the ground a little bit, and then he picked it up. And it was dirty, and it was wrinkly, and it was messed up. And he took that $100 bill, and he put it in the air. He says, all right, now I want to ask you a question again. He says, who wants this $100 bill? And just about every hand in the room, again, every hand in the room with just such enthusiasm said, I'll still take it. It's still worth $100. I'll take it. And they were all excited over that $100 bill. You know, a baby is a baby. A baby is a life, whether in the womb or out of the womb. Not a single soul that uh, is is in that womb asked for that life. God gave it. The Lord opened the womb, He made life, and all all are made and fashioned by God and I want to say at the outset uh, that a woman with a child must take into consideration that there are two lives that are are going on it 's her life and it 's the baby 's life and you know despite what happens I, I believe, and I know because of the medical advancements we have god's you know, the, even even the medical professionals professionals they're able to take care of both lives at the same time even if there are complications that are going on, and both lives can be spared. And I know that there are some unfortunate scenarios that happen in this world. I, I, I know there are things like rape. I, I know there are things like unplanned pregnancy. I, I know immoral relationships, uh, intentional um uh, uh, Babies being made, unintentional babies being made, they they say, well, it wasn't planned. God knew. Sometimes women go through these circumstances, whether uh, it's it's an unfortunate circumstance, not one that they had planned on, or whether it was an intentional circumstance. It doesn't diminish the value of, of, of this woman. And it doesn't diminish the value of the child that's in the womb. Doesn't diminish the value one bit. Every one of them still has value. Both the mother and both the baby. Both of them have value, way more than that hundred dollar bill could ever give you. And we'll never lose our value in God's eyes. And those children conceived in the in the way that brings glory to God as a testimony of God's goodness and grace. We rejoice, and may we grow up and learn of the grace of God that brought salvation down to man, and serve God with all their hearts and lives. We. We, we were very thankful. I remember when Sarah first got pregnant with Elijah and uh, just thinking about this baby, of course, never having one before. I didn't know what to expect and, and just going through all the classes and things like this. I mean, there was a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. We did a lot of praying for this child. And uh, we say, God, only only you know uh, what this life holds. You know the future. You know You know if it, he's going to be born healthy or not. You know all about it. But the devil, the devil wants to undo the God that made life. God gives life; He gives life, and that more abundantly. He promises eternal life. Everything that we know about God, God is a giver of life. The very first life ever formed was formed by God. God is a God of life. There's no way of getting around that. But we do know what the devil stands for. He, said, the Bible tells us, that he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's making a he's he's making a good effort at that. In our day and in our age, we see a lot of lot of unfortunate uh, deaths. There's a lot of uh, suicide. There's a lot of killings. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot of uh, abortions. I mean. It, God, the devil is very much at work through war and other scenarios. And we can't can't let the devil get the upper hand in this. We know that there's organizations such as Planned Parenthood and they are doing the work of the devil. And we do not have the right to take the life that God gave. That's my position. That's the position of this church, that's the position of God, that's the position of the Bible, you can't get around it. God gave life and we need to stand for it. The point of our text is rather simple for this morning, it begins with, and ends with the same theme we find over in verse 1 where David is is really, he's, he's stating at the outset, he says, Oh Lord, thou, thou hast searched me and, and known me. And then at the end of the text, he, we find there at the very end toward verse 23, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts. And the message here is really tender. David is understanding, hey, there's not a, nothing that God doesn't know about my life. He knows the beginning of my days. He knows the end of my days. He knows me before I was even a thought in the minds of any mother or father. He knew me at the very end of my life when I've messed up. God, uh, David here as he's penning the scriptures, he says, search me and try me. He says, I hate those who hate you with a perfect hatred. That's a strong statement. He's trying to tell God. He says, my heart is bound to you, and there's nothing to keep me from serving you and knowing you and loving you. God, search me and try me. There is no time, no distance, no hindrance to God's search says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. There's no hiding anything from Him. The searching is extended to every avenue, every area of our lives from the very beginning from the point of conception all the way to the end. I believe in our text that it not only talks about the forming of of a person, but it also talks about the beginning of the days of the person at conception. And God knows us in such a very intimate and loving way and sometimes I, I believe it's just a, such a disservice, such a heartbreak, such a, an awful thing that the God who gave us life, we spend much of our lives rebelling and kicking against him and denying him in every single way. And thank God for those who have turned uh, from, from their waywardness and from their, from their rebellion and from their sin and from the awfulness of their life to a loving God who could turn all that around for them. And the Bible still tells us that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I want you to understand that societies that remove the sacredness of sexuality, declining into immorality and commit spiritual idolatry, and destroy the lives of children, both born and unborn, I believe that's the greatest judgment in all the world. Everywhere that I read in the Bible... Where there is a, just a dismissal of life, where, the, where there is no, no heart, where there's no natural affection, where there's no, no understanding how precious a soul is. Those are the nations that, that God has judged. Not just the, the sexual perversions of Sodom and Gomorrah, and yes, that's awful in and of itself, but when you look at what's going on in, in the book of Kings and other places throughout the Bible where God judged these, these nations who were worshiping Moloch and Baal and some of these other gods where they're sacrificing their babies under these things, God judged those nations. We find out even the, the nations of Canaan before, uh, when, when God delivered the nation of uh, Israel out of Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan, He says, I don't want you to do after the abominations of this land. And God destroys them because those who deny life are at the height of wickedness. We must do something about this. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12, it says, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, does not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, does not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? He says, if you know that there is a person in danger, if you know that there is something going on, do everything you can to deliver that person. One of the things that Jesus confronted the Pharisees about was they had no problem going out and saving the life of their sheep or the life of their oxen or delivering one of the cattle, but they wouldn't do anything to help out mankind, one of their very own. He says, it's good to do good on the Sabbath day. Sanctity of life brings awareness to the abortion issue, and we can deliver many souls in bringing awareness to it. You say, Pastor, what can we do about the abortion issue? Well, I think in three ways uh, we can work on turning this issue around. Three ways we find recognizing the attack on life. Number one, combating the advancement of lies that people are believing. Number two... And then providing the answers for life. Number three, and I believe more than providing just the answers of life, but doing everything that we can to rally around and show these mothers our love. Hey, we want these lives to continue on and to thrive and to be a service to Almighty God. We want to be a help to you. You need a, you need a car seat, you need a high chair, you need clothes, you need. Hey, we're here to help you. That's what it's about. So we must continue to be pro-life and make a difference where we can. We see, first of all, the attack on life. In a biology one examinations, the students were asked, suppose you could take to Mars any of the laboratory equipment used in this course, how would you determine if there was life on Mars? One student responded, he says, ask the inhabitants, Even a negative answer would be proof, and that student received an A. We're not on Mars, but we can see that there's life in the womb. Most people want to go by the heartbeat, the hands, the eyes, the blood cells, all that taking shape. They're trying to determine, is it four weeks, is it eight weeks, is it 13 weeks, and on and on and on they go. However, the same life that people want to talk about in the halls of Congress and And forgive me here, that same life are the lives that they are able to appreciate because some mother gave them life. They want to talk about life. But that little life was living at the point of conception. It wasn't just at four weeks. It didn't start living at eight weeks. It didn't start living at 13 weeks. But then started it did start living at 24 weeks. It started living from day one. Here's what we know. We know that God opens the womb. stated several places throughout Scripture. We, we understand that, you know, unless God opens the womb, nobody's going to have any children whatsoever. God opened the womb of Sarah at their old age. and had a child. We know in Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, and God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened unto her and opened her womb, the Bible says. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says twice that the Lord had shut up the womb. And then in, chapter, in verse 19, it says He opened her womb. In fact, the Bible tells us in verse 19, it says the Lord remembered her, Hannah, uh, wherefore it came to pass when the time was come, about uh, after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have asked of him of the Lord. Ruth chapter 4 verse 13 Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife and when he went in unto her the Lord here it is the Lord gave her conception as she bare a son. Unless the Lord opens the womb there is no life. Luke chapter 1 verse 31 Romans chapter 4 verse 19 and on and on we can go what are you saying? With God there's no accidental pregnancies that's what i'm saying. We hear this all the time, you know, well i didn't plan this, i didn't i didn't want this. This is not what i wanted in my life. That child was not unplanned. It wasn't a mistake. It's a child with a life with a name with with potential with hope. I mean, I can't believe we even had to have these discussions sometimes where we get down and try to debate you know, <clears throat> these issues dealing with abortion. I don't, I don't understand why, why it's become such a thing other than money. You know, these, these pregnancy-centered, Planned Parenthood and all these, they get money from doing this. They don't care about the life of the mother. They don't care about the life of the child. They don't care about these things. Before David wrote Psalm 139, Job wrote in Job chapter 10, verse 11, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me in with bones and sinew. David wrote in Psalm 139, verse 13, he says, But thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The imagery there is of a, a, of a woman usually doing needlework, and he's making a piece of tapestry and putting it all together together. And, and I recognize that there's two things going on at the same time. There's a biological process where DNA and the growth of cells and so on and so forth that's going on and making that baby. But God's the one that made the DNA. God's the one that gave it life. God's intimately at work in the life and in the womb of that mother. The Bible tells us that God is intimately involved in the process of life, and it's like he is forming our lives like a piece of tapestry, putting it all together as it ought to be. God's not just setting up the laws of nature and letting nature take a course by itself. No, he is intimately involved in every single aspect. David says, weren't my, we're my members of my body? would not they all written in your book? If they were recorded in a book, that tells me somebody had to put it in that book. Every book has an author. You know, those, the ink doesn't just leap on the pages, despite what some people today might think. Somebody took the time and take that pen and put it onto the piece of paper. God took the time to write every one of our members and every one of our heirs and every single thought and record it in a book. God was at work. When mom was carrying her baby, God was at work. While mom is praying for her baby, God is caring for that baby. Find in verse 13 that talks about the emphasis there is on the formation of that of the body, of, the, of that soul, the formation of him as he's being made in that continual process. But also in verse 60, we find it begins to talk about the days, the beginning of life. David says this, thine eyes that see my substance be yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That last part ought to tell you something. When as yet there was none of them, God began that life at the very beginning. say, Pastor, yes, it does. You can deny it all day. David gives us here this reference to life beginning at conception in verse 16. Lawmakers can't figure it out. Scientists can't figure it out. They don't want to try to figure it out. That's the honest truth of it. They don't want to give an answer because they think that it's going to cost them their job and their profession and everything else. But God gives us the answer, and we need to turn to the Bible to get our answers for things dealing with life. Life begins on day one. God opens the womb. God's involved in the very making of man. Uh, our, our skin color is not a mistake. Our eye color is not a mistake. Our, our hair color is not a mistake. The life that God has given us is not a mistake. And here's something else to think about. There's a connection between the life of that unborn child and the man in his old age. David is talking about the time before he was even even a thought before the pregnancy test popped positive. The same David he says in verse 13, Thou hast covered me. He uses these personal pronouns. I, he's identifying with that person in the womb. Thou hast covered me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, verse 14. Verse 15, my substance. Verse 16, all my members were written. It said There was me in the womb. There's a continu- continuity of the identity of David's language here between himself as an adult and as the unborn child. David wasn't just David at birth. David was David at conception. To Jeremiah, the prophet who was hesitant about his calling, is a prophet. And I, I like this. I mean, this is, this is encouraging to me. Because Jeremiah, God calls him. He says, you're going to be a prophet to me. Jeremiah is very hesitant about this. He says, God, you, you don't understand. I can't, I can't be a prophet. He's like Moses. God, you need to call somebody else. God reminds Jeremiah, he says this, he says in verse chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. The same one who gave you a mouth is the same one who can enable you in your calling and service. I can do anything, God is saying to Jeremiah. I will enable you to do what I've called you to do. Again, the same God that formed you is the same God that ordained you to be a prophet. God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Your life isn't just for you. It's for God and for his glory. Isn't that what we read from the whole Bible? Our our lives are to bring glory unto God. Trying to establish here, you say, Pastor, well, you're not pointing out that there is an attack on life. I'm just trying to show you that there is a life, first of all. Because if you don't understand there's a life, you don't understand the attack on life. It said that in the womb is the most dangerous place to be. And that's true. You see, this abortion issue, I just want to tell you on, on, on the outset here, it's an attack on marriage. It's an attack on motherhood and his attack on morals. All three of these things, God gave you morals. <laughs> you know, well, he told us what our morals ought to be, you know, whether you obey them or not. He gave you marriage, and he gave you motherhood. I mean, we ought not to water those things down or just take them for granted or say that they are nothing. God made them special. When you go through an abortion, you defy all three of these principles. I believe uh, that this is a sign of judgment on the horizon for our country. Again, I look back and I see some of the things that were going on in the days of uh, the kings and on the days of Jeremiah and some of the major prophets that were given there. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 32, verse 35, God speaking here. It says, and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And then God tells us over in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 3, He says, I'll set my face against that man, and I'll cut him off from among his people, because he's given up his seed to Molech, to defile my sanctuary and profane my name. He says, when you offer your children to these kind of things, you're profaning my name. It's not something to take lightly. You say, Pastor, you, you lost your rocker. We don't see any images of Moloch being set up. Nobody's uh, committing child sacrifice. This is not going on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want to know the reasons why they offer to these gods? They offer to avert a crisis. They offer so that they might receive good on their vows that they made. Here, here, here's where it hits home, all right, because this is some of the issues in which you and I are dealing with. We see it all around us. They, they offer their children, they, they kill their children for socioeconomic reasons. In other words, we can't afford this child, and so we're just going to do away with them. Here's something else. You hear this on the news sometimes. You listen to people like Jordan Peterson who point this out. They believe in population control. We have too many people on this planet, so we need to get rid of people. That was another reason they offered their children to Moloch. There are several reasons that we can point to. that The same reasons they offered their children to Moloch is the same reasons that people are doing away with their children today. You study it and you realize this is just a fact and you can't deny it. It's an attack on life, and today our young people are driven by immorality, and it's unfortunate that we just haven't taught our children morals and uh, the, the sanctity of marriage to have children uh, with one man and one woman within the confines of marriage and raising that child where two are brought together and made one flesh and raising that child in a home for God's glory. But now these children are given away to their, uh, their sensual pleasures. You read Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7, you want to know what you want to find? It talks about the, uh, the, the sensual woman. We hear the sweetness of her words, enticing, the, the sensuality of the, of the body. We live in a culture that just uh, really amplifies the body and sexuality today and driven to that because they know that uh, it sells. What they see, what they hear, what they smell. It talks about the perfuming of the bed. It talks about the touch, all these senses, and finally they allow the senses to trigger in their mind and they're thinking about it, and as they think about it, they say, well, what's the harm? I know what I've been taught, and I know what I've heard in church, and I know what I've heard from the home, and I want to go against everything that I heard and everything that I know, and... Just go against my own conscience and go through the act because it went from the mind into the heart to be carried out into inaction. An and then, uh-oh, I didn't plan for that. Then all of a sudden, shame comes in and guilt. we got to cover it up. Wasn't that Adam and Eve in the garden? <laughs> but I told you not to eat of that, that tree. They took it to the tree, and the first thing they do is try to cover it up. People are trying to cover up sin all the time. And they think that they can just cover it up and it will go away, but it won't go away. Solomon is trying to warn his son about some these things. He says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he do that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Every time they see that, that baby, if he's born, it would be a reminder of that act. But also we understand that women who have abortions, you know what they deal with? Suicidal thoughts, depression, guilt, shame. They, they understand that something is off and something is wrong Proverbs chapter 7 verse 22, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of stocks. And it reminds you, again, it begins in the mind, goes to the heart, and then the act is committed and all of a sudden you can't take the consequences back. You've got to own up to them. These kind of relationships are not unheard of in the Bible. You say, Pastor, well, the things we're dealing with today are not in the Bible. They are. They are. Remember reading about Judah, you know, one of Israel's son? Judah went out and he gave his, you know, they had a daughter-in-law, Tamar, and, and, and you know, the Lord killed his his two sons because of their wickedness. And then Tamar saw that uh, Judah wouldn't give them to his third son um, that he promised. And he, when his wife died, he went in unto his daughter-in-law, unbeknownst to him, and had a child by her, and all of a sudden, it began to blow up in his face. What about David of Bathsheba? That was not planned. David did everything that he could to try to hide it. Out, hide it. And he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill her husband. He won't, he won't go through with what I, what I wanted, and he won't go home and try to cover it up. Well, I'll have him killed, and it'll just all go away, and it just exploded. It got worse and worse and worse. What about in the book of Judges, a guy by the name of Jephthah? One of the judges in the book of Judges was the son of a harlot. The Bible talks about all these things, but instead of turning to the Creator for deliverance and for hope, they decide to turn away and take hands in their own matter and try to solve the problem themselves. And they just complicate it. It gets worse and worse and worse because they can't find their way out. And God says, come unto me. Come unto me. I'll give you hope. I'll show you grace. I'll help you get on the right road. But you need me to do it. Here's what happened. Again, a young man didn't plan on getting the girl pregnant. It just happened. Again, things don't just happen. Again, both parties feel the shame. They didn't want uh, to ruin the family name. They, They think, well, if I have this baby, I can't get married. And These things, this wasn't supposed to happen, and so uh, I'm just going to cover it up and have an abortion. Let me let you in on a secret. One sin doesn't make another one right. You're just continuing to compound the problem of sin. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. We see the warning here. we got to warn our kids about immorality. We must promote marriage, motherhood, and morals once again and make it what it it used to be, honorable. In fact, it still is. But today, in the day and age in which you and I live, it doesn't seem like motherhood is honorable in, in the society in which you and I are living. But if my preaching, if through my preaching, let me just say it this way. If through God's word, one soul is kept from abortion because they come to the to knowledge of, of life starting in a womb. If one, one person can, if I can prevent one abortion from happening, then it would be worth it all. And you and I, we got to do our best to deliver souls. The advancement of the lie is believed. I won't take long on this, but in the text, we notice in verse 14 the Bible tells us this. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Let's look at some lies that are being told for just a moment. You go into Planned Parenthood, guess what I going to tell you? <laughs> That's not a baby. It's a fetus. It's a clump of cells. It's a mass of tissue, but it's not a baby. It's anything but a baby. You can make it anything you want, but it's not a baby. (laughs) Lie number one. Number two, women's health. You know, if you don't allow this to happen, you're hurting women's health. Have you ever stopped to consider the child's health? And many doctors who specialize in these high-risk pregnancies are able to save both lives. And besides that, according to a 2013 study, only 6% of women who had an abortion did so because of health. Only 6%. Here's the thing that astounds me. I was looking it up here on, I forget the name of the website. I think it's Students for Life or something like that, studentsforlife.org. And they said this, these health reasons that are given are given most commonly women cited feeling too ill during pregnancy to work or take care of their children as the primary concern. Guess what? There's such a thing called morning sickness. The women, woman's body is changing. Uh, hormones are changing. Things like that are going on. Uh, things like men like me who do not understand these things, but I do know that it's, it's normal for women to get sick during pregnancy. And they're stating this as a health concern. Oh, I have a health concern. My my health is at risk. Let me have an abortion. So 6% of those, that's the reason why they're giving. Number three, baby uh, might be born with life-altering condition. And for some reason, they have this idea that they say, well, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and so that must mean that every child is born perfect. Can I let you in on a secret? Not every child is born perfect. In fact, zero are born perfect. God forms each child, but we have all weaknesses and defects. All of us have something as a result of the fall, as a result of sin in this world. We all have weaknesses. We all have defects. You can ask me. I I, I can name you a bunch of them that I have. God forms each unborn child, but some have life-altering or life-threatening disabilities, That didn't stop Jesus in John chapter 9 when they asked him who did sin, this man or his parents. Jesus says, neither. He says, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. They're looking for any, well, we don't want to fix the problem and we don't, uh, you know, the the chances of him being born with a defect might be 20%, but that's too much of a percentage to, to risk it. Let's abort the baby. How could you? How could you? I'm just saying, these are the lies that people are believing. Well, you know, I don't know if I could take care of them, but they're born. God will enable you. If He's given you children, He will enable you to take care of them. What happens to folks? What happened to folks believing the Bible? Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Verse 5 of Psalm 127 says, Happy is the man that hath this quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What happened to the Proverbs 31 woman? Whose children rise up and call her blessed. Blessed. What happened to those words of Christ who says, Suffer the little children. In other words, he says, Don't prevent them from coming to me. Allow them to come. Suffer, them, suffer, them, suffer to the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. What happened to the words of Christ when he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them uh, shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. What happened to that? It's like several of these things just seem to slip the mind. I'm saying this because we think sometimes it's just a lost world that are out there and that are doing these things, that are going out to these clinics and are having these abortions. We think it's just a lost world. Can I let you know a little secret? It's people who are in churches all around us. They have believed the lie of the devil and they've let the devil convince them that this is what they have to do instead of believing God. People are deceived because abortions, again, are a big money maker and yet those doing the procedures many times know that the baby feels the pain. It's been documented when they stick that needle into the womb of the mother, that baby recoils in the pain. They feel something. It's not just some mass of tissue if they're recoiling and they feel the pain. May God forgive us of this great evil in our land. God help us. I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Life is valuable. It said that there are more migrants, for the first time ever, more migrants who have come to America and have flooded this country than babies who were born. First time ever in history that's ever happened. I don't know how they record these facts, but that's what they say. More migrants coming into this country than babies that are born. Be sure your sins will find you out. David thought he could cover it up, and I thought that it was interesting over in Second Samuel where God sends Nathan, and he points that finger into his chest, and he says, Thou art a man, and he begins to tell him what his punishments may be. He says, This you did in secret, but your, sin, your son's going to do it openly in front of public before everybody, everybody's going to know about this shame that you've committed so we must combat the advancements of lies with biblical truth. Let's move on to this last point, the answers for life. Killing the baby in the womb is sin. Often mothers who have abortions, they go, again, they go through this depression, they go through this guilt, they go through trauma, anxiety. Uh, their life is just never quite right on account of that. They wonder, can, can God forgive me? And yes, he can. He offers forgiveness. But first, we should get mothers to understand that there are answers to life. And they don't have to choose abortion. If a child is born in an immoral relationship and unplanned, number one, you can get it right. You can confess the sin. You can take responsibility for the child, raise it for God's glory, and you can start a, a life that's going to be promising for the future. Listen, I've made mistakes in my life. My children don't have to repeat my same mistakes. I can raise them up in church and show them the ways of God and the nurture and have an addition to the Lord that they might do far more than what I could ever do. There's a lot of potential there. Raise that child for God's glory. The child is not responsible for what you did. I'm not going to blame my children because I had a spending habit and I spent too much money on Amazon, what have you, and I'm just blowing all this money. And I want to say, hey, you made me do this. I'm not going to say that to my child. That's my fault. That's my responsibility. I did that. I know it's a silly illustration, but essentially that's what you're doing, trying to blame that child for what you did. If you're unable to take care of the child here, number two, there are those in the church who are willing to help out any way that we can. Maybe I speak for myself, but can I tell you, we'll help you out any way that we can. I've known several people who have adopted children. They couldn't have children of their own. They've adopted these babies and brought them into their own homes, take care of them. It's, it's costly, but man, what a joy it is to raise these children for God's glory. These, these people, I have close friends of mine who have done this, and the, child, the children, they're amazing. Amazing children. When we look at Hagar in the Bible, we understand that God can take care of you. Remember Hagar she goes out from Sarah and Abraham and she's with her child, a child and she, she says, "I don't have any water or anything to take care of this child and she sets him underneath of a brush and tries to walk away, hides her, hides her eyes. she says, "I can't bear to watch my son die And the angel appears there, don't be afraid to take your son." And he shows her some water, and he takes care of her. What about the widow woman of Zarephath where Elijah comes along? And she says, I want to make this cake. This is all we have so that me and my child may die. Elijah appears, and he says, no, God sent me here, and he'll take care of you, and he'll provide the oil, and he'll provide the flour, and he'll meet your needs. What about Moses? Seemed like she didn't have any. uh, Jacob, Moses' mother, didn't have any options. Oh, the state is commanding it. <laughs> Pharaoh made a law that every child born of a Hebrew woman, it's a male child, two years and under, they must die. Did that stop Jochebed? She's listed in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. She had so much faith, she went through with the, with the pregnancy and birth of that child and I brought him forth and made a little basket when she thought that she could hide him no longer and put him in that river, and Pharaoh's daughter was there, she fell in love with that baby, and told his mother, says, can you raise him for me? I mean, God God can do wonders. These are all options. And second, if anyone here has had an abortion, realize there's forgiveness with God. You don't have to carry around that guilt on your shoulders. You can come to Jesus. And if you need any counsel, you can come to my wife. She understands more than you know. I want to open your eyes for just a moment. How many of you live in Easton? Several hands around here going up. Many of you. I looked up the statistics in 2021. In 2021, there were 33,206 abortions in this state alone. In one year, 33,206 abortions. You want to know how many people live in eastern Pennsylvania? 28,000. In other words, more babies were aborted than we have a population here in this city. It's like wiping out a whole city. That's what it's equal to. That's how awful it is. I just want to close with this. Before Sarah and I were ever together, or even a thought, before I even knew her, uh, she got pregnant by a guy she didn't know. She was put in a tough spot, and she... Was convinced by those close to her that the, the only, only option for her was to have an abortion. She walked into Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood told her all the lies that I told you. It's just, it's just tissue. It's not real. We can make all your problems go away, and it'll be fine. Had that abortion, carried that guilt with her. For a whole year. Is it a baby? Is it not a baby? I can't imagine the pain. She was brought to a church service on Mother's Day. And heard the gospel preached. Convinced with her sin. She called upon the Lord to save her. Struggled with that for years. For years. Finally realized that God could forgive her. I'm glad he wipes away all of our sin. Judges it on the cross of Calvary. And I'm grateful for my wife. She found forgiveness. And, and then she was working with a, uh, one of these pregnancy centers there in, in uh, South Carolina, Newberry, South Carolina. And they put her through this, this counseling course. Uh, she was kind of like the guinea pig, they wanted to start it out. And they, she watched video after video after video after video. She was convinced, I don't, I don't have a problem with this. And then finally, it really really hit home with her. She says, I can't deal with these emotions. She says, she came home one day from one of those, those watching one of those videos, and she says, honey, she says, they tell me that I need to name the baby. What do I name him?" She said, I don't even know if it was a boy or a girl. She named him Taylor. Taylor. One day we'll both get to see Taylor up in heaven. He'll be there. David says this, he says, "After, after his affair with Bathsheba, God took that child after birth, took that child. David was fasting and praying that the Lord would not take his life, but God seemed fit to take his life. And he says, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. And you realize this, that even, even if this has been your life, number one, that child's in heaven. Number two, God offers forgiveness. Number three, we got to keep fighting this fight for God's glory. We got to deliver these souls. We got to help them to understand that, this is a precious sword that you're carrying. It's not the baby's fault. There's an attack on life. We got to combat the lies. And we got to give the answers to life. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, Lord, forgive us. That we've allowed such wickedness in this land. Forgive us of this great sin. Lord, help us to turn it around. Help it to begin with us, Lord. Help us to fight for every woman who's carrying life in her womb. Help them to show the grace of God and help to turn their lives around, to give them wisdom and understanding. Help us to provide the help that they need, Lord. Only you can do this impossible task. In Jesus' name I pray.